You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club Trek FM's local watering hole coming at you from the lazy town of Blue Valley, Nebraska. Man, Christy, it's just it's just so wholesome and clean around here. It is, and everybody says, Hey, how are you? Hey, like how a are bunch you? of weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. <laughs> Well, you know, I just, I literally like how everybody just is so friendly here, and uh, it just, it really feels like the right place to be here in the 602 Club this week, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, because we're going to actually talk about something new for the first time in a while um, Mm -hmm. with uh, this new Stargirl series that's uh, started there on DC Universe, and it also played on the CW as well. It premiered there too. So um, I always, yeah, it's just, it's weird to have something new to talk about. <laughs> well, yeah, especially right now, because I'm sure, you know, a lot of things have been on hold and we've had all of our mm-hmm. movie releases we would have talked about being pushed back further and further. So this was like, a, oh, well, that's nice. It's different. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll be talking about that and we'll be diving in in just a second. But just wanted to say thank you to everybody joining us. And of course, don't uh, forget that you can find us wherever you get your podcast. Make sure you're subscribed and that way you'll get the episode as soon as it drops. You can also find us on Twitter at TrekFM or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. You can talk to listeners from all over the world in the listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference. That's housed on Facebook as well. You can go online at Trek.FM. And over there, you can check us out at the contact section, and you can send Christy and I an email. And so... Uh, Christy, I know you read comics, um, and so I was just wondering if you were familiar with the character of Stargirl at all before you got into the show. I was not, actually. Um, I It's funny, I used to read a lot of comics. It's kind of waned now to where I haven't picked up any in a while, but I'm familiar with a lot of the DC characters, so I had heard of the Justice Society before and Justice League, and I read like Justice League Dark, um, so the concept wasn't foreign, but no, I had no experience with Stargirl before this episode, so it was nice to be introduced to a new character. Yeah, yeah, that's really fun. Um, you know, I hadn't read a lot of Justice Society of America, but I had read some. Um, they had a run where called Thy Kingdom Come, where the uh, Superman from the Kingdom Come universe uh, kind of accidentally ends up uh, working with the Justice Society of America, which was really fun. And uh, a great comic book run there. It's a really good read. So, uh, you know, I'm familiar with them in that way. And then, you know, in the New 52, was aware of them as well. And, and, you know, Courtney Whitmore uh, was a part of the Justice Society of America there. So uh, I, I, I like the character from what I knew of them, but I wasn't super familiar with them. And so it was really interesting for me to kind of go back and do some reading and research because you know going from comic to screen is is always a, a crazy thing and and one of the things mm-hmm. that i i felt like i knew but i had to confirm but it was very interesting to me that jeff johns had created this character courtney um based off of his actual sister who had actually died in the um, twa flight 800 which had crashed and so for him yeah. he bases this character off of his sister, which I thought was really interesting and obviously one of the coolest things to be able to do to memorialize his sister. Yeah, I think when I was reading around the background of the comic and the character and everything too, I thought that that, it just gives you a totally different feeling about the character as a whole 
Because even if maybe at first someone wasn't fond of Stargirl in general, I think hearing that anybody goes, well, maybe I should give it another chance because that's actually really sweet that, like you said, he gets to have this permanent reminder of her. Yeah. And it's neat too. um, in the show uh, and, and Brucka Basinger who plays her uh, had a, uh, a Instagram post uh, with this picture of, you know, Courtney, um, John, Jeff John's Aww. sister, um, and her, and it you can actually see the picture on her bulletin board, um, Courtney's bulletin board as well uh, as she's packing. Um, so they 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 actually put her in the show, which is was was neat. Um, so what's fascinating though is that the original series where Courtney Whitmore is introduced is a is a comic book series called stars and stripe and um, i actually have been going back and reading it on the dc app because they have all 15 issues there and it's yeah it's really interesting uh in that um this this run uh courtney becomes the second iteration of the star spangled kid uh and her stepfather uh the original sidekick stripesy um who also is in the giant robot stripe (laughs) <laughs> and that's it is written by Jeff Johns. Uh, and so that's really fascinating. And um, and then she would later on join the JSA uh, after being given Starman's gravity rod by a character named Jack Knight uh, and changed her identity to Stargirl. So um, that's kind of her origin there in the comics and also too uh that was all the way back in in 1999 so i mean this this character has been been around with us now yeah for a while um so it's it's different though because the show we kind of use some of that it's it's somewhat similar but the justice society of america had died battling the injustice society 10 years you know, previous to um, when we kind of pick up the show uh, and Mm -hmm. Courtney discovers the cosmic staff, you know, after learning that Pat had been the sidekick to Starman. And it looks like that it might kind of um, lead her obviously becoming the character of Stargirl. So kind of an interesting way to, to take what had been done with the comics and bring it into uh, I guess not only just a more modern era, but they're not quite following all of the footsteps that the comic did, which I think is is in, is good because after reading the comic, honestly, um, I think the characterization of Courtney is better, um, and I think it's it's a nice way to like get her to being the character of Star Girl more quickly than had mm-hmm. kind of having go through that two-step process of like first she's the star spangled kid and then she becomes star girl yeah and i think it was interesting too now that you mentioned that that they then made that her father's name and you know that he was the star spangled kid and then became Starman, and then now she's thinking that he's her father in the show um i think that that was funny you know comparing the two now that i hear that and two like the whole joke with stripesy was adorable (laughs) was that in the comic (laughs) yeah and you know it's what's funny is that in the comic it's it's interesting because you know the jsa is from the 40s and uh you know pat is a part of all of that in the 40s and somehow has kind of like lived long enough to be in the nineties and still look the way he does. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's this whole mystery surrounding that. And so they, they, they kind of pick up on all of that, those ideas and, and, and they condense the timeline. um, And they also just make it, I think easier for everybody to kind of get into, Um, you know, it's not quite so heavy in, into, the comic book lore as you know, Jeff Johns knows all of that stuff and is really good at putting all that together. But I think mm-hmm. this makes it just a little bit easier to dive into um, just for anyone, you know, like you don't have to know right. anything. Like my wife doesn't know anything about star girl. And yet she was 
she enjoyed watching the show with me. So I, I think this was a, a better way to start. And yeah, again, the comic itself, having read eight of the 15 issues, mm-hmm. Courtney is a character I don't really like, honestly. She's just a big brat. Um, and I, I, I think the show itself does a much better job of making her somebody who's relatable and, and kind of like teenage angsty, frustrated, you know, all those mm-hmm. kind of things without making her just an absolute brat, which is good. <laughs> yeah. I, Cause I even thought she felt a little bratty in the show, but I'm glad, you know, she morphs away from that. But mm-hmm. to, I mean, I haven't been through this, but I would understand how she feels like that whole situation of stepfather syndrome for a teenager is like, no, you're not my real dad. I just want him back. I don't know what happened to him, but I like him better. <laughs> so, I mean, no, I think you're absolutely right. You know, um, you know, I think the characterization for for Courtney, I guess it's a it, probably a good time just to to talk about her and and that yeah. character is um because i mean she's the main character you know when we meet them you know uh we see 10 years ago her her father disappeared uh and then 10 years later you know her her mom has met this new guy and uh you know they're moving to this little podunk town nebraska Mm -hmm. you know she comes from california um, you know, so for, of course, for her, it's just like flyover country. Um, it's a weird version of like a smaller version of basically of the the Brady Bunch because you've got the mom and her daughter and the dad with a son. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're making this family now and, and she's just not ready to accept anybody else as her dad, especially when she doesn't really know anything about her dad. Other than, you know, she thinks he something must have happened or whatever. And, you know, she has that whole conversation, too, with her mom about where her mom's like, look, your dad was no superhero. He wasn't anybody special. He just left us. And the only person who's ever been for a, here for us has been Pat. And, like, yeah. if your dad was so great, he'd be here right now. So it it does really set up this whole thing of like who's going to be a good father figure for Courtney and like her dealing with that you know basically abandonment issues with her dad um yeah. you know and all that kind of stuff I I think she was sufficiently like bratty in the show mm-hmm. for somebody who's dealing with all of those type of things and is is someone who's probably what 15 16 years old in the show um they never really tell us but you know she's kind of mid-teens and so it's like the, the characterization i thought was was well done without pushing it too far either way yeah that's what i think and, and that's why i was glad i was hearing you say that it was better in the show than in the comic with her because it you can definitely see where she's coming from but I think in the show she doesn't push it too far as far as like the writing of the character herself Um, and I like that they have that moment even where Pat is trying to convey to her that he understands what she's going through by saying I always wanted to spend all my time with my dad and I thought by doing what he did that that would bring us closer and it didn't and I had to grow up and meet other friends and so I know what you're going through is hard and she's totally not listening but it was a nice way for him to try and connect with her and so you see at least that he's trying and he does care to form a bond with her and so it even makes more sense and is a more um sweet to hear her mom say pat is the one who's there for us and you need to stop worrying so much about the past and look at what's in front of you i i like that too and i i thought that that brecca basinger did a pretty good job of kind of uh, you know bringing this to life um and mm-hmm. and bringing the struggle to life and the frustration to life and you know like it if you're a teenager um it there there's there's no it's it's not enjoyable um to have to move right and and right. like the idea of like moving to a whole new place trying to find new friends um and you know she gets there and this is not really 
this is not really a place where um, anybody's super excited that she's there. You know, everybody seems friendly, uh, you know, but it's high school and, and nobody's specific, nobody in high school is, is willing to like reach out at this moment so far. I mean, she, she ends up at, at the, uh, the so-called losers table. Um, and you know, it's okay. Um, like she doesn't really have any friends yet. And yeah, in this first episode, I thought, and I think that's the thing that I, I think that really stuck out to me in this first episode with her is that they don't try to solve any of her problems right away. Like we're, you know, the, yeah. and, and she, she's going to, it seems like to me, what we're going to do is we're going to give her the opportunity to be able to slowly progress, you know? And so here in this episode, just giving her the opportunity to, um, spend, a little bit of time starting to try and figure out some of these things. Um, we don't ask her to do it all at once. Like, and I thought that was good too, that the first episode really leaves you wanting to know more uh, mm-hmm. about Courtney and everything that's going on without trying to like, Oh, let's, let's do it all in one episode basically. So I thought that was really smart for her uh, character alone as well as just everything else in the episode so yeah like that's more like reality anyway i mean Mm -hmm. if you're moving to a completely different place and having a new family dynamic and you're also a you know like probably sophomore in high school that's a lot to deal with and it's not going to get better overnight so i think that Mm -hmm. it was realistic and i like that slow pacing for that reason and i i think that it's good too for just character development to get to see like you were saying like she's figuring things out and getting to know more about herself first and then maybe she'll be able to start branching out more sort of that one-liner you have to love yourself before you can love somebody else yeah absolutely and and i mean she's going to have to figure out who she is i mean you know the fact that she has this connection with the staff in the first place, you know, and, and the fact mm-hmm. that um, she seems to have a lot to figure out about. She's got a lot of mysteries to figure out and everything I thought is great. You know, I, I really even liked the way that they kind of deal with the fact that she has this connection with the staff and the staff was really kind of a fun character all on its own, um, kind of giving yeah. it a personality. And it almost felt like. The staff kind of has a personality akin to like a droid in Star Wars almost like it has its own little personality and um, it almost seems like it's alive. It even kind of has its own little like droid type language where it's talking to her everything. So I thought that was a really cool addition and it made it a lot of fun then too as she's figuring out what the staff can do and they're practicing together and that whole thing I felt it just felt really um, like the right tone to set, you know, like, um, and, and like mm-hmm. kind of what we're saying is like, I feel like the tone and the pace of the show so far feels right and it feels fun. Um, and it, at the same time, it's not dark or anything yet. Um, but it just felt s- more cinematic than anything I've seen on, on like superhero TV shows recently. Right, like they're not trying to squeeze a ton into one episode and make it really heavy on you emotionally right away. Um, although the the general themes they're dealing with so far are, um, they do make it more fun. And definitely with everything with the staff, I liked that too, because if you think about it being a magical weapon of sorts that has sort of a mind of its own and a personality like a droid or something, um, it's not going to be um i don't know comfortable right away either you know like it'll it'll take time sort of like it, it reminded me of um i recently rewatched bed knobs and broomsticks when she's angela lansbury's trying to ride her broom for the first time and the broom kind of has a mind of its own and it's sort of the same dance that now she's doing with the staff in the show i just thought it was funny yeah i mean I think you're, that's a great way to put it, you know, that the, the tone kind of has that fun feel 
Um, it, it reminded me a little bit of like in Harry Potter when you choose a wand, you know, and the wand yeah. kind of has a um, is a mind of its own, you know, the wand chooses the wizard. Um, or the and, Nimbus 3000. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> she does have like, it's like a Nimbus 3000. Um, it, it, the, the, the show really kind of like, they, they mentioned this in some interviews where Jeff John said that the, the tone they're going for is those 80s films uh, and those like Back to the Future or E.T. And I absolutely felt like this felt like an Amblin film, like those 80s yeah. movies, those classic 80s movies uh from the 80s and i you know it 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 there's enough like of a almost like a nostalgia type feel to this where it's harkening back to those type of things but i just i think they felt it felt right like they nailed the tone they were going for and i Mm -hmm. think even like you were saying like this this pace of we're not rushing to have courtney get into the suit in the first episode and we're setting up a lot of interesting mysteries, which I think is really interesting. Um, like what happened to her dad? Who are the JSA? You know, what are the, and what are who are their enemies? You know, um, why does her this, mom know? Yeah, what does her mom know? Um, mm-hmm. What's Pat doing back in Blue Valley when he meets Barbara? Mm-hmm. When he's like, I was just looking for something. Um, and it was an interesting thing, especially because I watched this a couple times, and I was like. They kind of set up this mystery about who her mom, her mom's working for this company called the American Dream. Mm-hmm. And they're this organization who apparently has enough sway to have like taken away the gymnastics program at the school. So like what is theories. going Yeah. What's going on? So here's my theories. For one, I think when Pat said he was looking for something that it harkens back to Starman telling him it's definitely not you. You need to find somebody who's worthy of being, you know, taking on my mantle. Mm. I think that he was looking for that person and now he's found it. Um, I also think that the American Dream organization, it looked to me like maybe they were operating out of the house that Starman was fighting the Injustice Society in. Mm. And that it's all run by the Injustice Society and it's Mm. like infiltrated the government. No, I think that's great. What I loved, again, about the pace of the show is that we're really not trying to answer every single question the first episode. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, when you kind of have a serialized television show, we've talked about this many times, you you need to parse out information throughout each you know, episode in a way that keeps you interested, but also is giving you just enough answers. And so, you know, the fact that we have all of these great questions and we have very few answers so far in the first, um, in this, you know, very first episode, it's like, it's good, you know, especially because they leave you on the cliffhanger there where, you know, she just escapes uh, brainwave and Stripe shows up and it's Pat inside this, robot right and so mm-hmm. it it really is i think they they're just they're they've set up a great mystery and, and they've created a tone that i think they're they they were shooting for and they've kind of hit perfectly and now i'm just i'm like yeah i'm ready for episode two with that you know yeah um and i, I didn't catch if they said how often they're going to be releasing new episodes is it weekly like a lot of other shows Yes, they'll be doing uh, all the DC uh, Universe shows have been weekly. So, okay. yeah, I think it comes out ne- on Monday. Mm-hmm. So as of our recording it, we've only we only have episode one so far. So which is just torture yet. because of all these questions. I know. I know. Um, so I wanted to ask you then too. Uh, we one of them, obviously, the other really kind of main character is Luke Wilson playing Pat, and he's uh, Courtney's stepfather, former sidekick to Starman. Um, and, you know, we got our introduction to him. Like, he's the first person we get introduced to in the show as he's mm-hmm. racing to 10 years ago try and help Starman and the JSA um, with their fight with the, you know, Injustice Society. And so uh, what did you think about all that and him just as, you know, our, our really our, our – I would say our co-lead of the show. I really like 
that whole character idea because it, first of all, I think it shines a great light on a, being a sidekick and makes it more about, no, a sidekick is not just a throwaway character. Sidekicks are important. And actually, I was the one who took the picture. And, you know, he brought, Starman brought me along with him to all of these things that he's done. And it was an honor to be a part of that. I thought that was such a nice thing to hear because especially like, you know, how the original Batman and Robin started. I think everyone always thought Robin was such a joke. And so this to me is saying, no, like every sidekick serves a valid purpose and can have some really cool things they can do too. Um, So I like that. And then especially adding later that, um, if we don't know for sure yet, but if Starman happens to be Courtney's real father for then um, her mom to end up with his sidekick is kind of a sweet thing. So I'm hoping that it goes that direction because even though it seems kind of crazy coincidental, I think it's like, you know, it probably, he was always around in her life. She said kind of alluded to like, they hadn't maybe known each other before. Um, and then now being the natural next person to take care of her is nice. Yeah, I'm I'm going to be interested to see whether they go that way. I because I in the comics I haven't gotten to the point to to learn about her father yet. So I don't know the story. I have a feeling like they might not go that direction just mm. because it would seem a I guess for the show I feel like it would seem just a little bit too obvious like but, um, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not opposed to it one way or the other, honestly. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, the whole idea of kind of, you know, Luke w- Wilson playing this character, I thought he was really fun. Um, I thought he brought a lot of like, like geeky quirkiness to the role. But I also felt like there is, I, I liked his earnestness. I think that's the thing. Like, you know, when he's trying to connect with Courtney in the car and he's talking about, you know, he moved around all the time with his dad. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. And when he finally tells her some of the story, too, of, you know, that he was he was older, you know, than Sylvester, uh, who was the star-spangled kid, uh, you know, the original star-spangled kid before he became Starman. And, you know, he was he's good with tech, obviously, you know, he he, mm-hmm. he was somebody that, um, like you said, wasn't just this kind of lame sidekick. Um, he was actually somebody who who could do a lot of stuff. And so created a flying car uh, and stripe, as we see. So, um, yeah. you know, this is, uh, I think, a character that's going to be a lot of fun to get to spend more time with. And I really, I really liked Luke Wilson because I think he has enough range to kind of be able to play slight mis- slightly mysterious, but also very earnest and truthful. And I think that's going to be really important. And I also really liked, you know, when he, Courtney's like, you know, I'll keep your secret if you stay out of my way, you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, this is not what this is about. This is about keeping you safe it's about keeping your mother safe it's about keeping your stepbrother safe and they kind of come to this uh, understanding um but one that is is not her being able to just get her way basically like i i just liked that he was able to kind of help her see that this there's more to this than that uh yeah and so they i'm really interested to see where their relationship goes uh, and I do kind of like too, like you're saying, like when he realizes, like and he says out loud, stripesy, and he's like, yeah, when you say it out loud, it's not great. Right. <laughs> yeah, I do have to agree with you, though, too. Luke Wilson, I think, was a great choice as the actor to play this role because he can be so earnest and kind and just really like that classic pure father figure kind of person. And it's nice to have someone playing this character like that. And um, I think that it's so sweet too, especially like you're saying that he stresses 
it's not just about you getting your way and it's not about, oh, I have a secret that I don't want people to know. The reason that I have a secret at all is because it keeps other people safe. You're even in danger right now because you're now involved in this. So yeah, I like that he kind of gives her a taste of her own medicine and is saying, no, you're not just going to walk all over me. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Um, I was really surprised and because you know I hadn't been reading a lot of the behind the scenes or anything like that and I just I thought it was great to choose Amy Smart who you know I've seen in many things um most of just uh, friends fame yeah exactly that's really what uh, <laughs> I think most people know from but I thought she was great to play Courtney's mom and you know she has um that scene again where she's talking about you know uh, how Courtney's father just left them and the only person who's ever really been there before there is Pat and now she's trying to say to her look you should appreciate that we have somebody here who does want to be there for us. You know, um, I I really I'm really interested to see where she goes, where her storyline goes, especially we talked about with the mystery with the American Dream organization mm-hmm. her working there. I'm fascinated w- about that. And I, I think they picked somebody who I just enjoy having on screen and has enough chemistry with, you know, um, uh, Brecca Basinger and, and Luke Wilson to be able to pull off the role well. Um, and yeah, I'm just glad to see Amy Smart back and stuff. I really enjoy her as an actress anyway. So I think she it was the right choice. I was really surprised and excited to see her back in something too, because I felt like it, I had only ever seen her in that and maybe one other movie a long time ago. And then now I was going, oh, wait a minute, I know her. So that was nice. But yeah, she plays such a um, really good, like, kind mother figure in this show. And then I like, too, that they haven't answered a lot of questions, particularly about her mom yet. Um, I would say, I think with the writing, they could have shown a little more chemistry between her and Pat on screen in this episode it feels a little weird that they're saying oh they're married already and everything and you don't ever see them like kiss at all or <laughs> acting romantic toward each other so I, I would have liked to have more um, of that but I think she's definitely a great actress and I'm you know anxious to see more about her mom. Yeah, I'd be I I'm, I would agree. It'd be interesting to see just more of that. Do you know? Will we get maybe flashbacks to when they first meet and that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, because they mean they go to the same restaurant that they met at. You know, years ago, and uh, I think a couple of years ago they they mentioned uh, in in Blue Valley. So, and that uh, that's where her mom is from. Yeah, exactly. Too. So I think yeah, there's a lot there left for them to tell the story, and I think. What's great is they just chose an actress that I enjoy being on screen enough to the, to make me want, like you were saying, you've got some more questions about her. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it, it's just a good choice. And I'm, you know, she's, she's just delightful for me on mm-hmm. screen. You know, I've liked her in anything I've seen her in. So I, I thought it was funny. Uh, the, the boy that they have playing Courtney's stepbrother, because Trey Romano plays the perfect, like, uh, obnoxious younger brother from an 80s movie like he's oh, classic yeah. like and it's a fun it'll it's a fun trope but i'm also thinking that they're gonna do something with that later on down the road but i mean i don't have a ton to say about him other than i think it's exactly what you need that role uh to be and and he does it really well yeah i'm thinking in particular with his a fascination with video games and B fascination with maybe science chemistry because of him saying that he wanted to microwave marshmallows and see what happened. They're going to end marshmallow, which ruins the microwave, <laughs> right? And it just goes to the basement now. Uh, I think that that those skills are going to come in handy. I think that they're going to end up becoming a team. The three of them: Pat, her younger brother, and her. Yeah, could so that's, be. That's my yeah, theory. could be a lot of fun. That that. But yeah, so. he's hilarious. Uh, it is interesting because we don't spend a ton of time with the uh, Injustice Society, um, but we do have, uh, and and really the main character that we spend the most time with here is uh, played by Christopher James Baker. He plays Henry King Senior, 
who is also Brainwave. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure that um, when they have the conversation that it was Icicle he was talking to on the phone, um, you know, when he Icicle tells him, you know, not to do anything until I get there. Um, mm-hmm. So that I thought that was really interesting. I think he's ridiculously creepy and scary, and he's perfect for that type of role, uh, you know. And so I'm just interested to find out more about the Injustice Society in the first place. And I think they set him up as a nice, like, foil. We don't know a ton about him other than the fact, too, you know, he has a, a son, Henry King Jr., who's a complete turd uh, to yep. everybody. In, yeah, like, he's the worst to everybody in school. So I'm I'm interested to kind of see where they take all of that. I think, again, you know, you picked somebody who looks sufficiently menacing and pulls that off well for the little screen time that he has and and makes you just want to know what's going to happen next. Yeah, I think that the casting choice, particularly for him, was so perfect because he measures out his words in the script. Like the scene where he's interrogating his son is so uncomfortable because of the way he holds back. You know, you can tell like he's just got it boiling under the surface and he's going to explode. Um and I love that he then, you know, has the unlocking bookcase with his uniform in a secret room behind it. Um, I think you can probably tell by me saying that I liked uh, Justice League Dark, that the villains are going to be like my thing with the show. <laughs> so I'm I'm really excited. And I think that the name Brainwave is so cool. So, uh, yeah, I want to see more of him. I like that they give you a little taste of the Injustice Society, but still like we said leave you wanting a lot more information and we haven't met a number of the rest of the team yet so uh, yeah i like it yeah and and it's interesting too because there are a lot of things that they throw in at that 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 scene we were talking about you know uh, at the beginning where we introduced pat and the jsa and injustice society and there's a lot of different characters in there um uh, i don't know if you know but lou ferrigno junior plays our man uh, yes, you know, I in that saw scene, that, which is great. Of course, Joe McHale playing uh, Sylvester Pemberton or Starman, uh, and then there's a lot of other different characters in there um, that uh, are really interesting. We have like Doctor Midnight, and we've got uh, Tigress and the Wizard Wildcat. Wildcat, yeah, we've got all of these different characters from different sides of either Justice Society or the JSA, so it's really interesting. Um, obviously, you have Solomon Grundy, CGI character, but, uh, you know, mm-hmm. classic in, in DC Comics, you know, so they've got lots of different characters. I'm really interested, and and I didn't put this together, but I was looking it up. You know, the uh, guy, Crusher, who comes over to, to meet Pat at his, uh, what will be his new office. Uh, auto repair shop um is actually a uh a, a member of the injustice society's sports master and his daughter is artemis croc who in young justice becomes um artemis uh or becomes um yeah artemis she's she's an archer um you know so i'll be really interested to see again so much to work with with these characters and so and and the universe so i'm really interested to see where this goes and i'll just say up front here too there's been talk about whether or not she would fit into the quote-unquote Arrowverse, you know with like mm-hmm. arrow and flash and all that stuff i don't want that i i'd want i would much rather her be her own universe and um because I don't want to be tied down to anything from any of those shows. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, just that's my personal opinion. I would much rather this be its own thing and maybe spawn its own whole universe rather than have it connect to anything from that. I agree because I felt like in the end when they did so much overlap with the Arrowverse that it still comes across like Green Arrow is the most important character and it's all revolving around him. So, yeah, I think that it would be great if Stargirl stays its own thing and maybe spawns its own universe, too. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it would be much more. Again, you have so much more freedom. You're not tied down to anything. And and honestly, just the look and the feel of this show and its production and everything, 
it was much better than anything I've seen, I feel like, in the other DC shows. It just felt, mm-hmm. again, for its the tone and everything that it's going for, it just is its own thing. And I would like it to be able to stay its own thing. Um, well, and so. even if you like look at um, the tone and the audience you feel like Legends of Tomorrow or Arrow are going for, I think that this is much more kid friendly and it's, like we said, not so dark. So, yeah, I think that it should stay that tone, too. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think what this is going for is, again, we talked about it, those Amblin films and like there's going to be a darkness to those, but. I think it's that 80s film type of darkness, which it can get pretty dark. I mean, watch any of those 80s movies. There's pretty dark stuff. But again, I, I just think it does feel like there's just something about it that I'm really gravitating towards and I'm really liking. And I just want it to be a, a thing where it doesn't have to worry about anything that ever happened in any of the Arrowverse shows. Um, and I'd just rather have this be its own universe. So um, mm-hmm. And luckily, DC is so easy to do that because this could just be a whole other Earth. I think this is supposed to be Earth 2, so, which I'm fine That's with. That's right. So Yeah, they did say in the um, information I was reading that it's a parallel universe yeah, which is great. to the Arrowverse. Yeah. So um, one of the things, too, I really loved about this is the choice of the soundtrack and the score because, um, I mean, the moment that they pulled out Hanson doing oombop from their string theory album where it's just kind Mm -hmm. of a more like relaxed ah, it was perfect um the music choices at the beginning where they're you know using springsteen or darlene love for christmas music and stuff was great uh and then just the score itself um pinar uh topak toprak i think is how you would say her last name toprak um she uh, she scored Captain Marvel. She did Krypton, the TV show. Uh, I thought her music, again, it felt like those old 80s movies where it's kind of like very heroic, John Williams-ish type of thing. Nostalgic. It's, yeah, but it, it just, everything worked about the soundtrack and the score for me. I, I was really pleased with the, the, the needle drops that they had. Um, and then I was really uh, impressed with, and I really enjoyed just the score. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to be able to actually listen to it. It's not available anywhere right now. So, but all of those things again, I, th- I felt like they did a great job of just capturing. I'm, I, I wouldn't say this. This show is just nostalgia train, but it, there's a nostalgia ness to it, um, mm-hmm. which just feels like a throwback to great uh, superhero shows. Uh, and great superhero movies, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it it feels kind of the way in which, you know, one of the things I love about all the DC stuff is like they can each have their own feel like, you know, Aquaman doesn't feel like Wonder Woman and Wonder Woman doesn't feel like Shazam and Shazam yeah. doesn't feel like Man of Steel. Like they all have their own feeling. And and I think this has just created its own feeling. And part of that was just, again, the the soundtrack and the score just nailed it for me. Yeah, I was wondering if you read about the Hansen reference or if you knew, like, from the first couple of notes they were singing. Oh, I did knew you know? it was you Hansen. Knew. Okay. Oh, yeah. Because I did, too. And I went, wait a minute. You guys. Because I actually had to go and get like... that album just because I was like, Hansen has a whole album where they do a bunch of their songs and other stuff in, like, with an orchestra? Sign mm-hmm. me up. Yeah, I actually have that version of that song on my iTunes already. So yeah, it's yeah great. I was really excited. That was like my preteen years was when Hanson came around. So yeah, all was, about it. That was high school for me. So I remember when that song came out, I literally rode to a blockbuster so I could buy the single version on CD. That's right. All those mm-hmm. things don't really exist anymore. <laughs> I had the CD. It's okay. So, yeah. No, it was it was excellent. So, um, yeah, I'm interested. You know, we only have watched the pilot uh, episode here, but what would you rate Stargirl so far? I would maybe, say for... Maybe, maybe let's do it like this. Let's do it like with interest level. So, like, 
out of five, with five being the highest, what's your interest level for the rest of the season? I would say my interest level is a four and a half out of five. Four and a half out of five iron suits. Mm. Because, uh, yeah, it it like we said, the number one thing is that it leaves you with just enough questions that you constantly, well, I, I can't say constantly yet, but you're dying to know more. So definitely ready for the next episode to come out. I'm sure we're going to be texting about it when we see it. And uh, it really is so interesting, too, with all the characters, not just Stargirl herself. We we don't know more about her mom, about Pat, about his son. I think that it's really got a lot going for it. And it adds in that 80s feel that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. So, yeah, I'm four and a half out of five. Yeah, you know, I I'd say I'm actually right there with you. I I'd say four and a half out of five cosmic staffs. Like I'm I'm excited you to, you know, keep watching the show. It 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 was fun. It was enjoyable. It the I mean the production value of it was good. You know, I mean True. You know, obviously it's still on a TV budget and you know obviously this the CGI can always be better in a TV budget. But you know what? It's a TV show, and I'm 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 really impressed by how it looks, and I'm really enjoying it. And I thought it was well cast, and it's a lot of fun. And you know, honestly, um, and and I don't think that this is just like a COVID rating or something because we don't have anything else to do. I I genuinely enjoyed the show, and so mm-hmm. I'm I'm really hoping that the quality will continue and if they do the job that that you know good tv shows do which is to really continue to give us the information at a good pace throughout all of the episodes i'm going to be excited uh about this i'm going to continue to enjoy it so hopefully that'll that'll be what happens and so we'll have to see and Obviously, I know we'll continue to be talking about it and we can talk about it in the Babel Conference as the new episodes come out. But mm-hmm. um, I think it's time for us to move to, though, Christy, recommendations. Oh, oh, oh I've got a good one. I don't know if you're going to like it, but I know somebody will. The other <laughs> night, Michael and I were looking for something to watch. And I know I told you I've been on this documentary kick, but uh, this time it was something just goofy. I don't know if you've heard there was a Jay and Silent Bob reboot Mm. and it's on Amazon Prime free for Prime members. So I I highly recommend it if you're looking for something especially that's just a comedy. I mean, straight up slapsticky comedy, especially if you've seen Jay and Silent Bob in any of their movies before. Um, this does a lot of references to all of Kevin Smith's movies. It's really Kevin Smith making fun of himself, which is great. Um, and then you even see a lot of familiar faces from other Kevin Smith movies. Ben Affleck, for example. Matt Damon. Um, oh my gosh, what's his name from My Name is Earl? Oh, uh, Jason. I can't remember, but yeah, yeah I know that who you're guy. talking about. Earl himself. Um and and actually they even have them uh go to a convention where the all of the guys from Comic Book Men are hosting a panel in the movie. So yeah, it's just really fun. Um it is super offensive, just so you know, it's not for kids, but you probably knew that since I said Jay and Silent Bob anyway. Nice. Um you know, I uh for me, I, I, I'm going to recommend if you've got the opportunity to go back and uh, check out the uh, Stars and Stripes comic book run uh, because it is really interesting. And it's I, I just love seeing where comics come from and where characters come from and how they evolve. So uh, it's definitely worth it. Um, if you have the DC Universe app, you can read the entire series um, there. And uh, you can also uh, pick up you know the, the JSA runs that Jeff Johns did as well, um, where, you know, uh, the character appears. So it's good stuff. It's totally worth checking out. And, um, I've been enjoying reading through it. Um, some of it is of classic, like late nineties, early two thousands cheesiness, but it's, it's fun. 
I'm going to recommend checking out Stars and Stripes, the series. And it's only 15 issues, so, I mean, it's not a long thing to read. And uh, mm-hmm. also, too, you can check out, uh, they they created a collected version of all of those, plus a, a few other selected comics where Stargirl appears in a new collection called Stargirl. And you can find that, like, on... Um, Comixology as well. Um, so oh. it's all there for you too if it's something that you're interested in buying. And I think there's actually, uh, it could even be on sale since the, the you know episode just dropped for the premiere. So, but that's, that's my recommendation for the week um, because it's been a lot of fun to go back uh, and read that while watching the first episode. So, but Christy, uh, if people do want to catch up with you and see what else you've got going on, where can they find you? Come and find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Bespin Bell. And then I do a couple of other shows as well. In addition to 602 Club with Matt, I do a show with my friend Teresa Delgado every other week called Sabres and Spells on the Skywalking Through Neverland Network, where we talk about Star Wars, Harry Potter, all kinds of fun geeky stuff. And I do a show called Planet Leia on the Fanthatrax Network, where it's uh, five women from around the world talking about Star Wars once a month. And then I also do a show once a month on the Star Wars report called Fashion in Five about men's and women's Star Wars fashion. Awesome. Uh, and uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Vero under the name MattRushing02. I am here on the network also doing the Orb with Chris Jones as we are talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You can find me on the Nerd Party Network doing two shows. One is called Owl Post. I'm doing that with Drea Kaufman. And we have finally reached the Deathly Hallows. We have been walking through every single chapter of the Harry Potter series. I'm doing aggressive negotiations with John Mills. It is so much fun talking about Star Wars with him each and every week as we just have a topic that we've been thinking about from the saga. And then last but not least... We're hoping to be back soon. This whole pandemic thing has put our show on hold because uh, we record in person. But uh, my good friend Courtney and I do a show called Cinema Stories, and that's where we talk about films through the lens of faith. But thank you so much for joining us. And y'all come back now, you hear? Hear?